This is Michael Coe from the Punk Rock and Politics Podcast, and you're listening to some of the best podcasts available on the internet, only on the No Phony Podcast Network. to Heroes Garage. This is a weekly podcast where we review science fiction, fantasy, superhero, and sometimes horror shows and movies. How are you doing today, Bill? I'm doing good, Tom. There's a lot happening out in the the entertainment world, isn't there? Yeah, things seem to flare up a bit, especially around Oscar season, at least with my limited memory. <laughs> Um, I yeah. feel like everybody wants to jump on the, the coattails and try and get something going. Yeah, I think there's uh, you have uh, a plethora of um, of award shows uh, leading to the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have all of us who are trying to catch up to reviewing uh, those Oscar movies and. Um, so I feel like uh, it's been very busy, and of course, we're doing reviews of non-Oscar movies and shows. <laughs> yes, we are. It's hard to predict, although sometimes it is possible to predict months in advance when you see something like really, really interesting. Um, it's always nice to see it rewarded. That's probably a better way of putting it. It's always nice. Yeah. Like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I really... It's nice to see that nominated. Um, not sure that it would win with, uh, 1917 and Parasite seemingly at the front of the, in the pole position, as they would say. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, what's great about it, at least, is this year we have some movies that, uh, you know, are worthy of a, uh, a best picture award. Sometimes that's unfortunate how things overlap is you have years where there's, wow, that won the Oscar. And I would say last year was one of those. And, um, where this year is, man, why couldn't some of these be last year and, you know, kind of split a little bit because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of good movies that are out this year, a lot of great performances. And, um, it just makes it tough when it, you have to nominate for an award for mm-hmm. the best when there's a, such a, a great array of um, to choose from. Yeah, and I, what we're seeing now is a blending of media. In the past, it was strictly just whatever was released. Um, and it could have been a limited release, but it had to be released on the big screen. But now you're seeing The Irishman, a marriage story and others that really were 
streaming service properties and they're yeah. getting they're getting their due, aren't they, Bill? Yeah, yeah. I mean if you want to look at uh Klaus, um, which is an up for an animation, um, that was a Netflix one as well. Um, I did see the other nam- uh, nomination for um, animation movies. Um, I forgot, uh, Without My Body or something like that, um, which was a phenomenal animation movie that was uh, French. So <clears throat> there's a lot of ways to see this. Um, uh, yeah, I saw one on Disney+, Plus, a animated short that I, I just happened to watch because I had the subscription and I did not know that it was actually up for an award. So yeah, my body, it's called, I lost my, my body. I lost my body. I'm sorry. Yeah. I lost my body, which was phenomenal. Um, definitely not mainstream. Yeah, definitely not mainstream. Yeah. But if you're going to rate it as a truly animated movie, it was, I would say it was probably the best out of all of them. Mm-hmm. But, um, a lot of times the, you know, something like this is not deep into the story because they're really into the art and the art here is the animation. So if you look at the award in its true form as best animated, this one should win, but we know that doesn't happen because it's not mainstream. Right. And, um, I mean, that's the politics of the Oscars and sometimes we like it and sometimes we hate it, right? Because sometimes our, our favorite, um, entertainers and creators get the quote unquote do awards when they've been passed over in the past. Um, but as we go on into this podcast, I would like to let our listeners know our agenda for tonight. Go for it. So we are going to be reviewing The Expanse Season 4, Episode 4, called Retrograde. Yeah. And this is a series that we've really been getting into. We um, absolutely love The Expanse. And we're happy when we love something and expect a lot out of something, and then it pays off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, we've yep. had experiences recently. Um <laughs> where we've been out at show houses in the middle of the night and we've walked away wondering, okay, <laughs> how did that happen? <laughs> and where there was no fist pumping. No, and there weren't any texts or calls at two in the morning. <laughs> it was radio silence. Oh, uh, funny. So The Expanse is directed by Breck Eisner and David Petroka. Uh, writers Laura Marks and Dan Nowak. Actors. I think this one is actually Matthew Rasmussen was Thank the one you. for this episode. Yes. Matthew but, Rasmussen. Yes, but David Petrucca, you're right, is the director. Nice. Um, I'm batting 500, so if I were a Major League Baseball player, I'd be... <laughs> You'd be in the Hall of Fame, John I'd Tom. be demanding more money. <laughs> uh, let's see how I do at pronouncing the actors' names. Um, so we have Holden, played by Stephen Strait. Alex go. by Cass and Var, Bobby played by Frankie Adams, Naomi played by Dominic Tipper, drummer played by Kara Gee, Dr. Elvi Okaye. That's a screw up. 
played by Lindy Greenwood. <laughs> we'll just stop with that. Adolphus awesome. Murtry, played by Burn Gorman. That's our favorite actual name in this list. Right. Avasarla, played by Shora Agadashlo. And Amos, played by Wes Chatham, among many others. So this story is, I would re-label this Race to Escape. But yeah. I'm turn this over to Mr. Bill, who has a, a firmer grasp on the actual story beats. Yeah, I think what's interesting about this, and I know the you know, desire was to review two episodes, and um, because I believe that ten episodes is ultimately the amount here. So we're nearing the, uh, the halfway point. And, but this episode alone really warrants a single review because there is a lot of decisions being made here um, across the board with all these different groups, right? Right. I mean, you have the the Belters' uh, decision, you have Bobby's decision, and then ultimately Holden's decision. So each one of the storylines, as we described in the last podcast, um, now we really further the storyline in all these subplots. And um, what makes it really interesting, and, and we, you know, anybody's listening, please, uh, and I, I'm assuming that you heard our previous podcast, is that um, what Expanse achieves here is just developing these subplots plot storylines and really maintaining interest uh, by not letting them die or be just used as filler, but they seem to actually be going somewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the previous episode, Murtry turns the heat up on the conflict between the medical group and their militia, I'll call them, and mm -hmm. the Belters. Uh, the Belters are renegade chaotic, yet they're trying to form a home of their own on Illus. Um, the medical team arrives to do some investigating, but their ship gets shot out of the air, which is kind of funny, but um, funny to say, but probably not very funny if you're <laughs> on the ship. Um, and so, in the previous episode, Murtry executes someone that he believes deserves to die for his big mouth. And from there, you could imagine that things only escalate, right, between that right. Group, those two groups. And caught in the fray of this whole thing are the what I like to call the innocents, which Naomi's health is deteriorating, and they got to figure a way to get her in a place where she can kind of get some homeostasis back in her physical being and, right. and be feeling a little healthier. But she's also got a, a co-conspirator, as Murtry and the group would would label her, in Lucia. Um, so Lucia and Naomi are pinned down, and they need to escape and get away from Murtry. And that's kind of one thing that's going on, one of the many story arcs in this episode. Yeah, you know what's great about this, and you know, let's, uh, you know, we're we're gonna check the box of the of the main storyline which is really what's happening on this planet because that's where Illus is 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 really the main plot line 
Mm-hmm. I guess that's where Holden has to go to and being, you know, being the main character, you got to follow where he goes. And yeah. so where the story is, it's an illness. And yeah, now that Lucia is the doctor of Belter and Naomi is part of the crew and she is hiding her. And then Amos throws himself into the fray to create a diversion and by attacking Mercury's forces. And then he's captured and, mm-hmm. um, you know, Na- Naomi, even though she is really becoming weak and ineffective, um, Lucia is trying to help her and they decide to flee, um, try to escape to, um, to their, where their ship is. Mm-hmm. And, and Mercury starts pursuing as he has Amos locked up. So that, that storyline and, you know, she's calling Holden and, and that, that becomes a, a major line of, okay, um, you, you're basically, um, you know, she, she basically, Lucia does confess that she is part of the group that was responsible for the bombing and, but uh, Naomi still decides to protect her anyway. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of, and that's what makes that really interesting is there's a lot of character conflict within the storyline, which again makes it a great episode because you really know these characters. They're not mm-hmm. just empty vessels on the screen. Even Mercury, you already get his persona because Amos approached him so everybody has really defined characters here and it just carries the storyline further and just creates an intensity and um you know high interest as well yeah and they're they kind of lean into those the attributes that make the characters who they are um mercury has been bent on finding justice um with a little bit of a lean somewhere else along with that, which yeah. we'll probably get to later. But so he actually, he takes out Amos with his militia group. And the only thing more exciting to me than a Marine kind of rearing up and, and handling his business is a scientist doing the very same <laughs> thing. And that's enter Holden. <laughs> okay. Enter <laughs> Holden. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't know. Do we want to jump to it? Because it actually does conclude the episode what Holden does. Here, okay, right? so let's not conclude, right? Let's, let's table not... that right now. <laughs> okay. Let's keep everybody suspense because everybody Pace. knows. Balance. We've seen this. Pace. Right. Right. So let's, let's table that. Let's table Holden because what he does is, is awesome, right? Yeah, so that's why I jumped to it. My brain got locked. <laughs> <laughs> you, your primal instinct was to just jump to awesomeness right away. I know. Okay, highest and point, that's where we go. Ding, ding, ding. There we go. We're climbing that. So let's table that right now. Is Holden is called in to rescue yes. Naomi. Right. Right? So right. so let's jump to the other big storylines because we do have some mm. major storylines going on here, especially with the Belters. And it's confusing if you're not really following this storyline because, you know, the, these, this Belter group has been appointed to guard the ring, right? Right. So you have Drummer, who's in command of the Behemoth, 
who controls the ring space. And then, you know, Ashford, she's part of the, you know, they're part of the peacekeeper tracking down, neutralizing renegades. And then you have this, uh, infamous pirate Marcos, who they, uh, a bounty hunter does capture and then brings him before the Belter court, right? And, and the reason being is he's inciting, uh, a renegade spirit, a rebellion, not to keep to the law and order. Uh, who's to tell us who could go through the ring and not? We're belters, dang it. This space is ours. And yeah. so they, they, they hold trial whether to space him or not. Absolutely. So this, this is Naomi's ex leader of the right. OPA faction who they've captured, right? And right. you know, these three other leaders, um, deciding this individual's fate. And what is the significance of this, Bill, for those of us who watch shows, not that this would ever happen to me, um, who watch shows and fail to pick up on the nuance of what's actually going on in a scene? Um, what do you think is at the heart of this conflict and what are they really deciding? Because it's not really this this one individual, right? It's probably more than that. Right. What they're trying to get is uh, elders have... Um kind of lived within factions, right? Mm -hmm. And even though each one of these factions have leaders um, and now they have more control and power, they don't really function as a unit. And um, the fact that they let Marcos go, and um, I believe it's, um, what's her name, let to go, is it... Uh, is it, it, it's, um, well, they vote and two of them. Yeah, two of them right. say let him live. Yeah. And she had the deciding vote, and he's yeah. looking at her like, well, we could have let him go. And she's like, well, no, you know, there's there's actually strategy involved here that uh, they don't want to stand against killing him, but they want to make sure if he breaks his pledge, now they will be unified in discarding this renegade, uh, the famous renegade. So she is very shrewd in her decision-making of letting him free because they're not unified in disposing him or letting him free together. But since he has rules and what he has to do, so if he violates his rules, the court could just say, well, he violated the rules, and they're like, yes, he did. So there would be unity there. So the whole, I believe, uh, part here is the belters are not unified, like uh, like a Mars well, Mars is a little unified, but you know what I mean. They're they still yeah. open. They're I they're st- like a wild west. I still get a sense though that usually how I think about these shows is there's some kind of elevated concept, right? And then you fill in all these facts and details that make it believable and give you buy-in as a viewer. So I feel like what you've described is a lot of the fill-in, all the detailed information, but the elevated why, right? right? Like, why let a renegade go? That's right. a drummer's point. So I'm basically right. beating that drum. Da-dun-dun-tsh. Right. But why, right? <laughs> right. And is she, is Ashford, or not, and the other members of this group that are making this decision, do they want more chaos? Is there something that this renegade leader can get them? Um, is there a way that they can manipulate this renegade into doing their will later on 
in the story? Yeah, like, what is what is the reason why? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that the main thing is is they need to be unified. And if they if two of them voted to save him, and then her decisive vote was to kill him, you know, it could spark a civil war within oh. the OPA. Okay. So they don't want that to happen. So, but they know if he breaks his pledge to remain on the sidelines, then, you know, no faction would stand against killing him. Oh, so, so she I had to be, sh- yeah, so she had to be shrewd in the fact that, okay, um, I realize we're not, I'm not getting an all in vote here, but how can I get an all in vote? Well, let's let him free. And then if he messes up, then we, everybody is obligated and, and gave him a chance. And that is a more justified way to be unified okay. in the NBA. And being a passive aggressive individual like myself, I actually understand that logic. Um, <laughs> You're letting go to hold on, in other words. Exactly, exactly. It's very, it's very shrewd. Uh, yeah. but at the same time, it, it, you could tell there's a lot of wisdom in what she is doing. But it's good because again, now here's another plot line of how do you contain Wild Wild West with the ring and not getting other people? Because it, it just amazes me that the writers, still feel that what is happening out in space is important to continue to write about, right? Yeah, and that's a, that is important. I'm glad they noticed that, though, because I, I read in another article, and I totally agree with the point they were making, and that is that it's kind of exciting to see the story move into space a little bit. And um, not that I didn't like what's been going on in Illus. I have liked it. But the expanse is known for what happens in outer space on spaceships. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah, it's, it's not, not a one-trick pony, you know. No, it's not. They can do they can they can do land-based stories. They can do space-based and all kinds of things. And speaking of another kind of land, are you done with that particular? Yeah, I think so. Arc? It's enough. Okay. Yeah. And then you we move over before we go to the big bang at the end. Um, <laughs> There's more going on on Mars, where yeah. Bobby's world continues to spiral. Um, so she had this, these, she's had this run-ins with the criminal element, um, with her nephew. Um, she also ran into a situation where, um, someone was used, wanting her to use her position to give her stolen, to give them access to, to military equipment. Um, and her story continues as well. Maybe you could help explain, like, how this story advances in this particular episode. Yeah, what's really, it's, um, her story is really sad because she did the right thing and she continues to do the right thing. But, um, it seems like there's so much criminalization going on in Mars that, uh, her back is up against a wall here. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a shame because Bobby is really has a conscience. Um, she has good character. Um, she chooses to do the right thing, even if it's against, you know, being a Martian, you know, what she did. But, uh, you know, she confesses to her supervisor that she was part of a theft of the, of the military tech gear. Um, and then he enthusiastically, you know, 
wants to get involved in the scheme. So now you see some more corruption and then she quits and then she gets arrested <laughs> and then she has to reach out to the police officer who is actually the ringleader who is corrupt as well. And she decides to join the crew if her charges are dropped. So okay. now she's stuck, right, in this mm. situation for actually doing the right thing. Right. And, um, but knowing Bobby, I, I, I my prediction here, Tom, is okay. that she's going to probably expose the whole thing eventually because that's just who she is. Yeah, it's like trying to do a, um, okay, like a, um, Oh, what's it called when you barricade a group of people in a barn and don't let them out for food or water? Um, you you get her surrounded, and the the ugly is going to show up somehow. <laughs> <laughs> We've seen her punch her single handedly punch her way through trouble in the past. Yeah. Um. So that's interesting though, because I think what makes this a little bit this entanglement feel more suffocating though is that it's coming in waves. Like, it feels like her nephew was a wave, and then her, or even before that, the the individuals trying to manipulate her to give them access to military equipment was a wave, and now you see that the nephew criminal element wave did not go away. Right. And that's kind of digging in a little bit more, and it's got her in a, in a position where she has to make choices, and she's not willing, she's not going to turn her back on her family. Yeah, and what's interesting, too, is that this plot line seemed more about character than story, meaning that we're focusing on Bobby's trials and tribulation, and it seems on the surface that it has nothing to really do with the rest of the story, but I would disagree. I'm going to contradict myself because the military equipment's being sold to belters, so as we saw and we discussed already, is there's Belter factions that are buying ex-military equipment to do something. So there's going to be an eventual tie-in here with Bobby's plot line, with the Belter's plot line. Which It'll be interesting. Probably, yeah, and it's going to have to tie in then with the UN because they're the ones that you know w- were victorious and made all the rules. So... And Bobby, of course, is going to be caught in the middle. And uh, so that's kind of my prediction of how I could see the plot lane developing. But I like it because it's just great writing of how you could weave the character within um, a storyline that has to do with another storyline. And that's yeah. just excellent writing. I love it when you can kind of see the collision coming, but you're so interested in how you get there that yeah. your interest level actually grows. It actually peaks. Because, like you said, I totally agree with what you're saying. They're gonna. There's, this is going to be a situation, potentially, and I predict <laughs> that what it's going to look like is Bobby has been working with factions to arm factions that are now doing XYZ against this other group. And it might even pit her initially against members that we would label as friendly. Right. And that could get complicated. So that'll be, it'll be cool to see how that works its way out. Anything more with Bobby's 
story? No, I think it kind of ends there, really. Um, it just, uh, it's just, it's now thrusting her into the underworld, <clears throat> which we could see it's going to develop into, um, you know, watching how this, uh, this underground works, right? Mm-hmm. So, and it keeps, it keeps our interest because now it's a different, um, reveal of what exactly is happening within the story. So I, I, I just love it, honestly, um, how they just keep on building and building and they just get inventive, um, not having everything be stale. Yeah, I do too. And once again, they hold true to their form. They do not have these carve out emotional diatribes between a couple of characters like they do in other shows that just make it sophomoric. So I like that right. they're not doing any of that nonsense. And the only person, I think in this episode, I'm not sure a ton happened with our supreme leader, Avasari. She may have cussed into her phone at one point trying to figure yes. out what's going on in Illus, but I don't think she did much more than that in this episode. Is that true or did we miss something? Yeah, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, she was just yelling and screaming that the OPA take care of this pirate. So, um, yeah. you know, I think that's, uh, basically the, you know, this is more or less, um, Bobby's, the Belters, and, um, Illis's storyline. They cover three of the storylines in this episode, which is a lot. They, they really yeah. tackle a lot. They move Bobby's story into the underworld. They, um, show a little more what's going on in the Belter world. And then they're moving the, uh, story forward in Illus. Yeah. And, and over all of it is this impending doom of the proto molecule. Right. That appears to be gaining kinetically energy and, or even kinetic energy. Um, and Holden, <laughs> we come to yeah, the moment. And, and I just want to make one more comment is that is, I, I think they just do a great job of really not putting the proto molecule in the forefront, right? They just do a phenomenal job of just making it uh, part of all of these multiple storylines. Um, and, and I think it's, they create such a balance and Bobby, the Belters, um, Illis, uh, what's happening in Earth, they give equal weight to every storyline that even, you know, knowing that Prone Molecule is really the main story, they're just, um, they do a great balancing act. So... Yeah, the portal molecule holds all those other storylines up out of the abyss, my opinion. Because if you didn't have some larger thing going on, this would just be another story about space politics, um, good people turning to bad and evil to save their families, you know, that kind of stuff, which is interesting because they do a good job at how they, how they do it. The walk is actually very interesting. It's the scenery is nice. Um, but holding it all together is this anticipation that this portal right. molecule nonsense is going to really um, just combust out of control. And as predicted, we yeah. are heading towards that at the end of this episode, aren't we? All right, you could do the big reveal. 
the big reveal. So we told you earlier that Naomi and I want to say the name right, her partner, who they're both being chased by Murtry. It's Lucia. Um, and Lucia is a member of the Belters and she's the one that confessed to Naomi that she, her group had a part in shooting down that spaceship. Um, the science spaceship. Well, they call in Holden for backup and Holden arrives and he confronts Murtry on the cold, dusty plains of Illus. And he beats him up. Right? And he goes. He just, he comes <laughs> up, shows up. And just, wham! Yeah, I'm like, right? I thought, I thought for a minute he was gonna point blank shoot him, but he didn't. I'm glad they didn't go completely yeah. out of character with that. Um, but interesting enough, Murtry didn't shoot him because he knows that Holden is connected to the larger government that sent him there, uh, Holden there to to capture the portal molecule. So once again, we sound like we're fanboys here of these writers, but. <laughs> The writers have set up a way where we actually believe that that was a good decision on Murtry's part not to pull the trigger, even though he's been a little yeah. bit of a loose cannon, right? Yeah, exactly. It, it, it stays true to uh, characters, right? That, right. Uh, you know, Murtry is no dummy. He's, he's calculating, even though he is just riding on emotion and hatred and vengeance. Um, when Holden shows up and punches him in the mouth, he basically tells Mercury, I'm in charge. And, um, Mercury has to kind of cower like a, uh, um, you know, a, a dog on a leash. And it's more or less like Holden shows up and says, enough is enough. Back in your place, dog. And, uh, and it's great. And you just see Holden's strength because, Really, the the way you look at Holden, he is kind of like the sheriff in town, and and uh, Mercury is like the the running deputy, you know, just you know has a law on his side, but is abusing his power. And then Holden shut comes up and just says, "Yeah, I, I'm o- above you," and just has all the authority. And it just you feel great about it because. Um, you know that Holden does have the authority. Uh, he's not just some tough guy out in space, but he's a tough guy with authority. And it, it, I found it just, it was awesome. Yeah. And what is even more interesting is how this story continues to unravel in the next episode. And of course, I won't spoil that for our viewers. <laughs> For watching this, or even a co-host who might be watching these episodes one week at a time. Yes. And we'll see how this story extends itself. So as this goes entertainment-wise, um, are you still feeling entertained and engaged with the story, or is any part of it growing stale and old for you, Bill? No, very much so. It's very engaging. It's, uh, they've done a great job. They're, they're moving the... Uh, they're moving it along. Um, yeah. They're not staying within the, um, you know, just in a holding pattern. I would say. Yeah. And so I, uh, I like the fact that it progresses and there's tie-ins here and and I really like Bold, Holden's uh, 
establishing of authority, pretty much putting his foot down. Mm-hmm. So I, I, uh, I, I really got a lot out of that. Yeah. So that has been our review of The Expanse. And our listeners can uh, follow us on Twitter, at Heroes Garage. And please um, chime in with your thoughts on this episode and even comments that you might have about our review. So for now and until next time, so long.